Welcome to the Backdrop, Untold Stories in Golf. I'm your host and co-founder of New Club Golf Society, Matt Considine. Today, as many of us prepare to hunker down for the long winter ahead, we welcome entrepreneurs Matthew Allard and Daniel Ledford, two gentlemen who want to make at-home putting more fun and productive for all. The founders of Putter, P-U-T-T-R, join us today on the Backdrop. I was introduced to Matt and Dan through one of our members, and after checking out their product online, I wanted to hear the full story. Tagged by some as the Peloton for putting, these guys created a modern design box that rolls out into a putting green with real breaks, all kinds of tech, cameras, analysis, and most interestingly, games that simulate the real deal out there on the golf course. And while many of us will work on our putting strokes at home this offseason, few of us may require some time on the long game. If you're trying to keep your swing improvements intact over the winter, you have to check out the membership at Five Iron Golf. For a flat monthly fee, no initiation or cancel fees, you get access to free rentals before 4 p.m. on weekdays and serious discounts on food, beverage, peak time rentals, and lessons. Even better, it covers you and up to three friends, plus comes with complimentary club storage, which in the city that's a big deal. Exclusive to new club members who sign up through the new club mobile app for a monthly recurring membership at Five Iron Golf, you will receive a $100 credit, real cash, on your Five Iron Golf account the day you show up. Can be used for Sims, F&B, whatever you like. Just need to sign up through the new club mobile app. For those who are not members of new club, you can get more information over at fiveirongolf.com. Now, without further ado, Onto the show with the founders of Putter. Matthew Allard, Daniel Ledford, welcome to the backdrop. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's good to be with you guys. So I love having, you know, passionate golfers on the podcast. That's what this show is all about. Uh, I also love having entrepreneurs because I consider myself to be in that category. And it's just, uh, there's some of the most fascinating people on the planet who are, are those of us who are just um, not so enough to pursue uh, a concept, a vision, a dream, or, or whatever it might be, the idea. And, and when I first heard about your guys' idea for Putter, I, uh, I looked to the, the member who told me down in Atlanta, Teddy, I think we our mutual pal there, Dan, who you've played a little golf with. And, and I just looked at him, I said, yeah, of course. That makes total sense. Putter. So why don't Matthew, if you could maybe just get us started with, uh, with the product that you guys have created and, uh, and tell us a little bit about that. Well, great. Yeah. So basically the kind of like, I, I think the best place to start is kind of the origin of it, which was, yeah, I'm a lifetime golfer, grew up caddying, uh, New Hampshire and then played, uh, in high school and college and have played since. Um, and, uh, you know, I have my son and, when I had my son, you know, wanted to get him into the game, obviously. And, and, uh, it's fun to go out and hit balls, but I, I really wanted to take the tiger method and start him at the hole and work backwards. So I bought a putting mat and, uh, you know, when you go to sleep, I'd hit like three putts on it and then just be incredibly bored. And, and, you know, I've had putting mats over the years in my office in the house. And so, um, I was like, you know, and I'm a computer guy. So I was like, there's gotta be something that we can like track, you know, what I'm making and kind of give me some stats uh, I'm also a big Peloton user and like, I just keep coming back to the workouts, which is like, you know, all about the stats and the competition and the leaderboards. Um, so that's really where it started. And then, uh, got to work on it 
kind of like just before COVID. And then once kind of COVID, uh, the wave of COVID hit over the US, I was like, man, I really got to get this to market because this is like, you know, um, I think this is going to be huge, especially with everybody wanting to practice from home and then our cold weather friends. Uh, so yeah, so that, so that was really the, the origin. And so now we basically have like what we call a smart putting green. Um, and it's basically a rollout mat that looks a lot cooler than the other mats. Uh, but more importantly, it's integrated into an app and can tell you um, how you're doing and gamify putting practice. So that's really the nutshell of it. I, you, you, like you said, you went out and got that putty mat. I'm on my, is it my second or third? I think I'm on my third of my, uh, whatever we want to call this time in our lives, this COVID period. Uh, yeah. And, and um, you know, it's just preference, curiosity. I mean, we all kind of were sequestered to home. Uh, were you frustrated? I, it sounds like you were just frustrated with what you kept getting and, and as your at home golf experience. Well, yeah, you know, as, as all amateur golfers, you know, I played in college, but like, as all amateur golfers know, you know, you only get better if you practice and as you work and have children and life kind of gets in the way of actually getting any practice in. Um, so I was like, you know, and, and putting obviously is like the only way to score. And so I play a lot and I'd still, you know, the big muscles still work, but the little muscles don't when you only play twice a month. So I was like, let me figure out a way to practice putting. And yeah, and the frustration was just about how boring putting practice was, you know, not, not a fault of putting mats, not a fault of putting greens, just no one's really taken putting and said, all right, let's make this like fun and engaging uh, and competitive, you know, which I think is really what I said we set out to do, you know? Let's, let's bring Dan in. So Dan, this idea is, is percolating. When, when were you brought in uh, and your contribution to this whole endeavor? Yeah, so my, I, so Matt and I used to be neighbors. Um, so we lived down the street from one another and we just got to know each other. And, you know, I was, uh, we had a mutual friend and so I was included in his foursome on, on the weekends. And so we just got to know each other really well. And and he was just telling me what he was working on. And I just, you know, as a lifelong, terrible golfer, I was just like, this is just beautiful. I mean, how great is this? Um, the thing. And so I just immediately said, whatever I can do to be involved, I want to be involved. I want to help you. I want to help you get into this next level. And, um, and so uh, my, my background is in like logistics and supply chain and sales and marketing. So there's definitely going to be an element of that. Um, but for me, I mean, you know, the thing that really resonated with me is when we were talking about how boring putting practice is, and, and that's the reason no one does it because it's fun to mash balls off the range and watch them go, right? But sitting there and hitting putt after putt after putt, not knowing if you're improving, it's boring. No one does it, right? Uh, and and those mats, like you said, I mean, they they're you know they're boring too. <laughs> It's like, no, I always always set out to, to get my putting reps in because I'm like, if I had to pinpoint a part part of my game that needs the, the work, it is the putter. And, and I know that I know it, I don't hide from it. I know it, but I always go to putt on, on my indoor setup. And, uh, by the end of like five minutes, I have a wedge in my hand and I'm hitting little like spinny shots that I don't need to practice. Like I'm really good at chipping. Why am I doing this? It's because what you guys are saying, it's so true. It's like, I'm more engaged that way versus that very uh, monotonous, uh, rep- uh, repetitive putting stroke. Yeah. Yeah. And the other, the other interesting thing was, you know, there's so much technology 
um, in in the swing part, right? And and in simu- simulators. And um, I won't I won't name the the company, but I mean they're all the same in the sense that you know you can go and spend fifty to eighty grand on a simulator, and it's great. You hit your tee shot, you hit your second shot on the green, and then they're like, all right, now putt into the screen, <laughs> and you're like, uh, wait, what? Um, so that was a big thing for me too, was, you know, playing on really top end simulators, which are um, incredible. I mean, the technology is insane and it's so cool. You can play any course and it's, you know, indoor. Um, but then you get on the green and like everybody who sets it up is like, yeah, just do automatic two putt, just do automatic two putt. It's, you know, you don't want to putt, you don't want to putt. And I'm just like, wow, I can't believe they haven't solved this problem yet, especially with how many out there there already is. So, you know, that's, I think where we kind of hit a, hit a good, um, you know, gap in the market is, is that. I honestly, I didn't even think about you guys filling that gap where the, the full swing simulators that have crappy. So you guys have a, a vision to be a part of that experience as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, our price points at $600. So like that's a throw in when you're buying a $50,000 SIM plus, you know, you got to hire a contractor to install it. So um, yeah. And then you basically just integrate we will integrate the green with, with the SIM. So when, wherever you are on the green, it just tells you what putt to hit in the game. And then it can track whether you make or miss. So it actually makes it, we are putting into a real hole, which, you know, uh, at least I felt like, you know, I wanted to do not put into a screen. It doesn't really give you the right feel, you know, it's, it is, it's such, it is such a contrast from, you know, being super accurate on spin rates and right. launch angles and carry. And, and then all of a sudden you get to it. It's like, all right, uh, hit it at this thing. Yeah. Screen. You're right. Yeah. I've never really thought about that. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of the concepting of this, and I'm sure you guys have been through all kinds of phases and, and product development and, uh, you know, someone like me that had the reaction I did and, and others will say the same thing. Like, yeah, Peloton for putting. That makes total sense. Finally, you know, of course. Is that frustrating to hear because of, I'm sure at this point that you guys are you know, rolling out to the market that you've had to put so much thought and, and, and everything into the execution of it. Like, is it, is it almost irritating when people say like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Well done. Well done, guys. You came up, you did it. No, I love it. <laughs> we, yeah. we, use, we use Peloton for, some people say top golf for putting. Um, so that's cool too. You know, I mean, at Topgolf is an amazing job of making a driving range a lot more fun for the non-serious golfer. Um, and, and that's a big thing for us too, is like making golf more accessible and making it like a part of game night. And then I think what's cool about putter is like anyone can actually putt, but like going to Topgolf, you have to be to like get it into the target in 180 yards out. I mean, you gotta be fairly solid. I mean, you're not like first time picking up a club usually. So um, but we just had my uh, 40th birthday this weekend and Damn all our friends, uh, thank you. And all our friends and, and, and their wives and, and girlfriends, they all loved it. They all wanted to play it because, you know, they can actually make a putt here and there. Um, and so we even have games where you don't have to make it. It's like a ski ball where you just have to get it close and you get points at least. Uh, so we're just really trying to make it fun um, for like the non-serious golfer, but then also make it like a crazy analytical tool for the serious golfer. That's cool. And, and I mean, you're, you're a former collegiate player, Matthew and uh, Dan, I have it quoted here. You said lifelong, terrible golfer. So I don't think that's true. I've, I've heard you. You're very handy. What's, what's your I'm calling you. I'm a 14. I'm a 14. 
Yeah. People people would give their left thumb to be a 14. Okay. Hey, so, well, what are you what are you, Matt? Uh, you know, you don't worry about me. I'm doing okay. I got a I got a little plus sign next to the number still. So that we're 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 doing okay. But I, I asked this because oh, wow. I, I think it's really important to uh, golf products that uh, I know myself be, being a scratch golfer, I I look at the world uh, a very particular way. And um, have you guys so like you're contrasting games when you were back and forth on the ideation of this or just the marketing of it or all of it. Uh, do you have that banter of like, well, as a 14 handicap, <laughs> here's what I'm looking at. And well, I didn't ask you for your index, Matthew. Maybe we should do that to set context. Yeah, I'm a plus two. Okay, there we go. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so I'm in the, I'm, <laughs> I'm alone here. But, um, <laughs> I, I, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, you mentioned the Peloton for putting thing, you know, tag that we've been using. And that's really what we set out to create. And honestly, I mean, it's, it's very close. I mean, but what, what I, what I think is the most compelling thing about putter and what we really want to somehow, you know, tell people about or show in our marketing is when you line up to play a game, like if you and I were, if I were to come to your apartment and roll it out and we're going to, turn iPad and play a game and I putt first and I make the putt and now I've got points and now it's your turn like that. You feel pressure on a practice putt at home, like on a pure putting surface that's like lit up like a stage. I mean, it is as soon as you line up and you got to make that first putt and you feel the slightest bit of pressure practicing at home, you're so like everyone is so it's, you know, and so for me, it's like, how creative can we get with the games? I mean, you know, we've, we've thought of quite a few, we were both big darts players. So we love to bring in different darts games too, as well, but like just having a pressure pressure on a putt at home, like that's all it takes for me anyway. I mean, you know, that's, uh, we, we just kicked off. I think you might know this, Dan, is we kicked off a, uh, quota game, uh, for our members this year where, you know, we get together for in-person events and it's so hard to do what you're saying, which is simulate that pressure. You know, yeah. if you're, if you're in a match to win, you know, the new club club championship in, in Atlanta and you got a three footer, how do you simulate that? Right? Like it's so hard, but uh, one thing we did was this quota game and it's, it's uh, our, our more basic way of who cares what course you're playing anywhere in, in the world tell us the slope, tell us the rating, let's put it in and let's all play a match against each other um, and, and do a quote, you know, quota with the handicap. So it's, it's, and we've seen that, you know, there was a story of somebody just absolutely choking on their back nine uh, for no other reason than there's this, this thing that connects us now. And we get to see that, oh, I'm in third place and I really want to beat the guy in second. And now I care about this five footer. So it's, it's, uh, we can lie to ourselves all, all we want and say this stuff doesn't matter, but it, it truly does. I, I find that very interesting that that's what you guys have been covered with this, uh, this product. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, as a good player, I mean, that's what I learned in college golf was you have to gamify practice, whether you're on the range, chipping, whatever, because if you don't, it's going to get very boring, but also it's about simulating pressure. I mean, that's like the number one thing you can do. So I used to play like seven up, you know, putting games and stuff with my buddies and, and it makes it so you, you become better because you actually are focused and it does translate to the course. Like there's so many people, right. You know, especially around the 14 handicap, no offense, Daniel, where they're like, I'm a great range player. 
And it's like, what does that mean? <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's, that's what it is. It's like, it's easy when there's no trouble or things to think about or pressure, or you're not keeping even score. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, they get out the first tee and they start to sweat a little. It, it's totally different. And that's what you have to, you know, it's like why they run you to death before you shoot foul shots at practice in basketball. Right. Because like, when you have, when you're full of energy and your knees are working, your legs are fresh. Yeah. It's easy to shoot a, a free throw, but when you're exhausted, that's what you want to practice. Right. So it's kind of the, you know, the same idea. So the, give me a little bit more on, on the actual gamification in the system today. I'm sure you guys have a bunch of you know dream features that'll be added over time, but what, what's like the basis of, of today's gamification and putter. Sure. So like the, the idea is, is first of all, you can play local and online, right? So you can play against anybody, um, that has one and, uh, our first games, you know, the, 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 the basic game is like a standard game. And that basically is going to tell you, you know, nine, 18, 27 putts where to hit from. So we have, you know, short mid range, long putts. Uh, there's a random, random, uh, games where you just, it just, gives you a random putts to hit. So you hit an 11 footer left to right. Then you hit a three footer straight. Then you hit a seven footer left to right. So that's the standard game. Then we have what's called a streak game. And that is basically you putt till you miss. And so that's a la Phil Mickelson's, you know, hundred three footers from around the hole. And when he misses, he starts over same exact idea. So how many can you make in a row? And that can be the same putt or it can be different putts in a set. Um, and then we get into like what we, consider kind of arcade games. And so we have horse, which is pretty self-explanatory. You know, you call your shot, you make it, your opponent has to make it. Otherwise they get a letter. Um, yeah. We have cricket like darts. And so that's, you got to make every putt from three to 11 feet. And when you close out the distance, then you can point. Are you familiar with cricket? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So um, I used to play a dart league. I think in that's DC. the only dart game I actually remember. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> right. I mean, um, and so that's a cool game where you can actually like be strategic about where you're putting from and put pressure on, but it's, it's a good two player game. Um, then we have, as I mentioned, ski ball, which is, you know, you're basically just trying to, you're obviously trying to make it in and, 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 uh, but if you, if you're not that good, you can still get points for miss for misses. Uh, and then we have Papa shot, which is basically 60 second time clock. How many can you make? And so you can put that from any distance and, and there's 27 T's, um, on the green from three to 11 feet and then, you know, straight left to right, right to left. So that's pretty much what we got so far. Um, then creator. Yeah. And then you can create your own, uh, like games. So you can create basically like if I want to work on my mid range pots, set up a practice routine where I hit, you know, 18 pots before I go out from five to seven feet, let's say I can create that and save it in my profile. Um, and then, uh, what we're dialing in now is actually, so like a make is a make, but not all makes are the same. And so we have speed and lines. We can actually see entry point um, to the cup. And um, without sharing all the secrets, I actually got to spend some time with uh, Jamie Mulligan a couple of weeks ago, who's Patrick Cantley's coach. And he was telling me how they break down the hole into like, it's like figure skating judges. It's like multiple decimal points. I mean, it's incredible what, you know, the level that these guys are at. And something like that, where basically like there is such thing as a perfect putt, right? I mean, you want to hit it perfect speed, dead center of the hole, and that's going to be different from different distances and different breaks. Um, so even we're not there yet, but that's something we're building where it will actually tell you, you know, kind of how good the make is and um, give you extra points for perfect putts versus just ramming it in, you know, 
ramming in the back of the hole. Um, and then there's the, the last piece to it is, is, um, you know, live video. So we are going to have full online tournaments. We're building all that out right now. Um, and in order to play and compete in a live tournament, you have to turn the front facing camera on your iPad. That's going to sit on top of the box. And it's actually going to record you to make sure you don't cheat. Um, and that you are putting from the distances that the game is prescribing. Um, we record all that video on a server and then we can pay out and make sure that people are actually playing the game. So, um, you know, we really want it to be like an online community, just like, you know, Peloton is of competitors. There's, I'm not much of, uh, tech. My co-founder Mark needs to be on this call. He's, he's the techie and he knows softwares and gadgets and everything inside and out. I I'm not that guy, but, uh, tell me about that tech and I don't want you to, you know, any secrets, but was there, I'm kind of curious in, you know, what tech ends up in the prototype and, and what tech gets kind of left on the cutting room floor, because I'm sure you can't, you know, include everything off the sure. bat. Like what, give me, give me some Intel on that. Yeah, it's actually, I mean, you know, um, so I started with, I just basically retrofit a $30 putting green off Amazon with, uh, effectively, um, tinfoil at the bottom of each hole. And what happens is, is when you put two pieces of tinfoil together and space them out, when the ball sits on it, the pieces of tinfoil touch each other and that conducts electricity. And so then I hooked that up to wiring that then hooked up to a Raspberry Pi mini computer. And so I could, I started with a, a prototype that could just tell if the ball was in or not. When I, and, by the way, when I started this question, I did not think your answer would begin with tinfoil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's very homemade. I have it on video. I can share it with you. Um, very homemade. And so, but then I was like, well, yeah, that's cool. But then you don't know when you miss. And also it's like up a little ramp, you know, it's like the ball return. And so if you miss it short and it never even reaches the hole, you don't, the, the, the system, the software doesn't even know that that what happened. So then we graduated to uh, infrared uh, break beams where it could actually see when the ball went by and do timestamps. But the interesting thing about infrared is it comes out of the sun. Uh, so if you have it anywhere near a window or outdoors or anything like that, you get all these false positives and it was not working. And I would, it was so weird because it would like work when I was working on it at night in my guest room, it would work. And then I like pull it out in the garage during the day. And I'm like, what the heck? Why wasn't, why isn't this? So that's how stupid I was. I didn't know that the sun emitted infrared light. Um, so, so now where we're at is in the box is actually a camera that is using computer vision uh, to track the ball at about 60 frames a second. And so that is much more foolproof and much more controlled. Oh, sorry, I got my dog here. Um, and so that, and, but also it gives you the path of the ball. Yeah. So that's really where we're able to get a lot better analytics. Uh, take your time. Take your time. We can take Yeah, let me take a, a quick two seconds. Take, take a quick break. Yeah, we're good. That was a good spot to edit it up anyways. Let me just give yeah. it a notes. We also started with three holes too. We're, we're on one hole now, but originally we had three holes across. Um, but it was too hard to like keep the technology consistent on three holes to consistently see the ball the right way. So with one hole, it's, we, we get the same feel with the break on either side, but it's, it nails, you know, it sees the ball every time the path it makes, you know, registers the make or miss every time. So just, when you went from three to one, it just made everything more accurate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the box was more conducive to just picking it up and moving it. I mean, it was just really big yeah. when it was three. 
but now it's like, I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. yeah it, and um, tell me about the break. Cause I I've home shifted breaks. I mean, one, I live in like <laughs> a 1890s uh, apartment building in, in a Chicago neighborhood uh, that I think it slants at least, you know, at PGA, yeah. I think we're at PGA tour limits. Like what is their grade? <laughs> like 2%? Like I think my apartment's there. So I have to like boost it up. But tell, tell me about your guys' break, how you guys went about designing that and what you settled on. Yeah. So basically the, the break just comes from the ramp and then the angle at which you tee off. Right. And so it's a 12 degree slope. Um, we also have a level in the app. So exactly to your point, not many people's floors are that as flat as they think. Um, and uh, yeah, and I live by the beach. It's the same thing. Like if I place a, a tennis ball on the ground, it doesn't stay still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, so basically it's the, the 12 degree slope. It really creates from the left. So we have a left, a center and a right tee. Obviously the center tee is dead straight. Uh, the left tee with the 12 degrees of slope over about the last two and a half feet of the putt, depending on speed, will go from a left edge putt to about a ball out left and then vice versa on the right side. So the, the stimp on the green flat out is a 14. It's super fast, but with the slope, it's about 11 and a half. Hmm. So it's still very quick, but that's exactly what we wanted for, you know, you know, as a, as a scratch golfer, you want to work on your stroke. You don't want to think about hitting it. And like, right. you know, they always say about tiger, right? The way to beat tiger is put them on slow greens. Yeah. We really want you to focus on stroking the ball and hitting good putts. And obviously speed is a, is a consideration. Um, and, you know, you still need to get it there and not hit it too hard, but we really wanted to make it quick and PGA tour like, and so we sampled about a, you know, separate thing, but we sampled about a hundred different carpet samples before getting to the one that we ended up with. Wow. Uh, cutting room floor, any, any things in the prototype? I don't want you to give away future stuff, but anything that you're like, oh, we should do this. And you got down to it and you're like, this is dumb. We shouldn't include this on this thing. Well, you know, one thing that we're still actually, uh, so I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, <laughs> one thing, one thing we're kind of throwing around is the idea of online lessons. And so, you know, the Peloton obviously is full on, you know, live classes, not really lessons. I mean, I guess you could say yoga is a lesson. Um, but one thing we've been toying around with is like, you know, enabling PGA tour teachers to get on the platform in the studio and record putting, you know, just putting lessons, visualization, reading putts. Um, but that's one of those things that, you know, from a business modeling perspective and just from like a content perspective, it's obviously very expensive for us to produce well, which we would want to do. Um, but also there's a lot of players out there already. There's V1, there's Skillis, there's, you know, a bunch of others that are kind of already doing it. You know, also to like capture your putts or your swing, you got to have two camera angles, you know, you need to have a tripod. It's, you know, I mean, I, even doing it myself, I was a little like, boy, this is, you know, I'd rather just go get a lesson at a golf tag yeah. or somewhere, you know? So that's something we've toyed with that we don't, we don't know that we're going to do. Um, we really want to make the online part of it about the competition. And so like one idea that we're working on right now is like a rider cup between different cities. Um, and so you could basically play, you know, Chicago versus Boston versus LA and all the members in that community uh, can play against each other. I love that. Uh, that that's the, the, the competition. Uh, we lean into that pretty well at new club. And so I think you don't need to sell me on the value of that because it's just like the, the right 
healthy balance of competition, I think is what so many of us, it's like a, it's like a, almost a dirty secret of golf. Like people don't really tell you that when you ask them, like, why do you love golf? You don't hear the answer being like, cause I'm a super competitive guy, you know, like, I, I mean, sometimes you do, but, but I'd say for most of our members, they, they're, they're more about, you know, it's a great way to get out. It's, it's, it's my hobby. It's my, uh, my peace of mind, but then everyone, it kind of seems like it's competition is like this uniting thing that everyone also has in common, but not everyone talks about. Yeah. And, and it goes from bragging rights to Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, you could play for 30 grand a match if you got it. Uh, whatever keeps it interesting. Right. I mean, me, my Saturday match is like a $5 it's NASA. It's like five bucks front back and total we're playing, you know, two against that's, two best that's ball. A, that's a true scratch golfer. You and I have the same policy when it comes to playing for money on the golf course. Oh yeah. Well, I want to keep friends. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. well, and, and I just, I just get scared of the, these guys, these dangerous 14s, you know, just like Daniel, they, they scare Yeah, yeah exactly. They, yeah, they start, they're two, they're two under through five and you're like, wait a minute, too late. Um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, I think there's a, there's a reason why the Ryder cup is, you know, such a big thing because golf as an individual sport, I grew up in New Hampshire, right? So I live in LA now. So I went from like the best sports town to like the worst sports town. And, you know, growing up like with team sports where you're just like the, like the savage, like, you know, instinct behind the teams and representing and like wearing the clothes and, you know, everything, the, the amount of money and time you invest into a sport that you don't even contribute it i mean you're watching it you know right i mean and so you know that's i think where what we want to bring to to the putting part is like yeah keep it fun and and keep it interesting and set up where you can play games and matches just within your friend community so you can like just like instagram we have it where you can follow and and be followed by your friends um and keep it in the group or you can go out to kind of to the masses and we're going to be hosting you know daily weekly monthly tournaments that people can compete in but yeah i mean Right. You don't want to say I'm a golfer because I'm savagely competitive and I'm a gambling degenerate. You want to say, because, you know, I like a little healthy competition, um, but it keeps it interesting. Like, and it's, pur- it's, it's purposeful, you know, like, otherwise, like, why are you playing if you're not trying to get better or trying to compete at some level, even if it's just for a beer or whatever at the end, you know, one thing, one thing we're throwing around too. And again, would love your feedback is, is, you know, a way to create kind of an, you know, in network currency, you know, um, we, we've talked about creating like putter coin, you know, so with, you know, once you join up, you get a certain number of putter coin and then you can, you know, that can be your cost of entry into a tournament and the payout is X number of putter coin, or I can bet you five putter coin on our match or like, but just, you know, you can't trade them in for dollars, but you know, it's like this in-app currency that, you know, you reach different, levels when you earn a certain amount or whatever, but you know, we're, we're playing with that idea as well. I, I was late to the whole crypto game. So I, I was kicking myself there still am, but still, I'm still late too. Yeah. I don't, yeah. 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 But I've read two I, books on blockchain. I don't understand it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole, uh, yeah. Tokens and, and credits and stuff. I, I'd be lying to you too. If I haven't thought about the similar for, uh, for our community. Cause I, I think it is, it's, it's like, as long as it's an easy way to, to have something on the line, yeah, because I think it also solves the problem of, you know, not everybody wants to play for 30 grand or even 20 dollars. So it's like, you know, having something that's that still matters, that still means something, but uh, set your own limits and all that stuff. I, I think it's great. Cool. Um, 
I wanted to get a little more on your guys' background as entrepreneurs, because I'm sure this isn't uh, your first go. Uh, Matthew, especially you, I think I, I read a little bit uh, a couple nights ago about, you know, some stuff you started. Can you tell me about like, you know, have you always been kind of this entrepreneurial spirit? Where did do you feel like that started for you? And uh, let's take it from there. Yeah, well, I think just kind of like the nature of being a soft, like I was computer science in college. And like, when you realize you can like build stuff, you kind of have two options. You can be kind of like in the cubicle, cranking out code, which I did for a couple of years right out of college. Um, and, you know, I remember being like done all my work at like, you know, noon on a Friday and, and like, I already had my golf clothes on ready to shoot up. And I, I was in DC. So you had to like drive an hour to get to a golf course. And, uh, and, you know, and the job was like, well, no, you need to be here till five. And I was like, well, I'm done everything. Like, what do you want me to do? And they're like, I mean, you can sit at your desk, you can, you know, and it was kind of like, and that was like the most soul sucking thing I could possibly ever experience. So, uh, so from there, you know, once I kind of figured I could build stuff, I was like, all right, well, what can I build? So my last company was a, um, it was basically a mobile app concierge for hotels and casinos. And so I kind of saw a big need in, in the hotel space where, you know, if you need something from the concierge or you need something, you have to call down or go wait in line and do all this stuff. So I basically just built a, a white label app for hotels where people could communicate right through their phone uh, to the hotel and give all the, the tools to the hotel staff to be able to, you know, respond to things and all the different departments within the hotel space. Um, so, you know, I kind of cut my teeth on that. I started that company when I was 24, moved out to LA for a job, quit after six months and started that. So learned a lot through the process, um, good and bad. And, um, what was that? What was the most, uh, someone asked me this the other day, what, what was the most expensive lesson you learned uh, through that journey or through that entrepreneurial legal, well, legal paperwork, Lawyers. no, but no, but actually legal in the sense of not having my company set up the right way to take an investment. So this is a, the, the biggest lesson for me that I always tell when people are starting a company or whatever, I'm like, make sure you have your legal paperwork in order before you take money from anybody. Because even if, if someone has one share of your company, you know, they can, they can be a problem. So, so that was the most, by far the most expensive uh, lesson I learned. And not even like expensive in the sense of spending money and expensive in what it costs the company, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Daniel, what about you? Do you feel, are you a, uh, like Matthew, I mean, I, it seems like you could do nothing but be an entrepreneur, Matthew, just kind of picking up on your, your, uh, the way your mind works. But Daniel, do you feel like you're a kind of a natural entrepreneur by trade or? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm the son of a serial entrepreneur. Um, so, you know, my, you know, my childhood was a lot of ups and downs, you know, based on what dad's businesses were, were at the time, you know, um, uh, my, you know, I watched, <laughs> I watched my dad mortgage our house to buy the license to print the t-shirts of the Atlanta Braves in 19, like 89. <laughs> wow. And, and then wow. I, I'm a diehard Braves fan. We just won the world series, but, um, <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, we have to get that in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but then in 91, they went worse to first and almost won the world series. And just like watching that, from a kid's eyes, you know, and I, you know, it was just incredible. So, um, and yeah, and then, yeah. So I, I've watched him do that my whole life. I've always wanted to do it. I've, 
you know, I've uh, always had a bunch of ideas, but never been able to really get one across. Um, I worked for a, a, a startup software company years ago as head of their sales and marketing. Um, but I started a family and got married and kind of needed the more stable route. Um, but I've kind of always been like pushing for innovation and pushing for change, even in the large organizations. But I'm kind of at a, at a point now where it's like, I need to sort of, you know, feed this, this desire that I have. And so, so when um, Matt and I, you know, got to know each other, I just, I, I was just like, I, I, I just got to be involved with this. So, um, so it's been so exciting and fun and it's really crazy how, like, I just compare my two like situations, you know, I, I compare what it's like in a big enterprise corporate environment to make a decision versus like me and Matt get on a call on our Fridays and like make like 10 big decisions, you know, it's, it's just so different, but um, I'm loving it. It's, it's great. It's uh, the, the, I think we're all family men here with, with kids and, um, I, I'm the new, probably the newest of, of this, this three and, uh, how old one year just turned one ah, last week. Beautiful. Uh, it gets and, better. And I'll tell you to have that, like that juxtaposition where you're, uh, just a, a husband, you know, good doing my thing, meeting buddies for beers and, and, uh, and just the entrepreneurial grind of, you know, what tonight I'm gonna stay up till 2am and kind of noodle on this, this idea and everything versus, having a kid and being an entrepreneur. I mean, it, it was, for me, it was night and day and, uh, and I'm still kind of grappling with it. So I'm just looking at you guys with older children, like what, was there any key to that success of, of continuing to be an entrepreneur to kind of, like you said, Dan, you know, have those, those ruckus calls that make 10 decisions, then you got to go do everything, uh, and still be a dad. Is there any, any tips you, you have, uh, this is a very selfish question, but I'm sure someone listening could, could resonate with this or appreciate this. I mean, yeah. I, I would say it, it depends on what type of entrepreneur you are, because you know, at my last company, I mean, believe it or not, I was, I was in Brussels twice in Q1 of 2020 for a one hour meeting from, from LA. Okay. And it was and a big, it, big, 2020 wasn't the, the easiest year to get around. <laughs> no. Well, no, this was right before COVID. Okay, so like before, in yeah. February, before it like hit Europe and the U S in March, basically of 2020, uh, right, right. January and February, I was, I went through London to Brussels twice and my son was one and you know, exactly where you're at right now. And dude, like not being there. And then you come back after a four day travel, you know, you're getting some, cold because you're on a 12 hour flight banger back and then you get back and like the kid's a new kid you know it's like a different person and it's like and i was like i do not want to do this anymore like i just can't miss out on this much like it has been such a blessing to me i mean obviously there's a lot of bad that happened with covid but the good side of it was i've gotten to spend every day you know with my son um and my wife also works from home so that to me is like the best thing ever. Um, and you'll never get that time back. So yeah, my, my advice, if you're, if you're a dad, like work from home as much as you can, do not go to the office, do not travel um, and embrace it because yeah, it go, I mean, I know everybody says this and it's like cliche, but it goes so fast. Well, the, the, I mean, the parenting, yes. And I think, I think with uh, careers in general, I mean, there's so much, uh, we're seeing first time entrepreneurs at a rate that is like I, I read something the other day. It's just the highest it's, it's ever been because I think 
you know, back to that, that soul sucking comment of the cubicle, I, I think COVID forced a lot of us to look in, in that mirror and say, wow, uh, uh, what am I, what am I missing maybe at home, but also like, what am I doing? <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, I, I just, I've heard that a lot amongst friends and, and members of new club that just had that kind of epiphany and they're, and they're maybe out searching for something slightly different or allows for more flexibility. But I think even our, our corporate roles have to provide more of that. Um, it's just, uh, the whole entrepreneurial side or going out on your own brings some other new challenges to the table, which, uh, which is fun. I, I'm, I'm definitely, I, I was not, a, I don't think a natural entrepreneur in terms of, uh, uh, kind of thought process and, and what have you. But I think because I found something I'm super passionate about it, I I've adapted very quickly and it's like, no, I, now, now I can't imagine ever doing anything else. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the idea of, of commuting an hour and a half each way to work. Right. I mean, I did it for so many years and it was just like, yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A, lot, a lot of these things have changed for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, you said, um, your, your childhood. So I just want to get a little bit more on you guys. So Dan, where you grew up in Georgia, uh, your braves through and through, uh, yeah. by the way, I, I know a lot of people that got wealthy in the nineties in Atlanta's boom, but no one that did it with a license a Land Braves t-shirt. That's pretty I, wild. It's an incredible story. There's more to that story I can tell you, but it, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Did you grow up, uh, you said lifelong terrible golfer. So I assume that means you've been playing your whole life. Did you grow up as a golfer or other sports? What was your kind of motivation? Yeah, you know, I played, I'm, so I've been playing golf forever. Um, I uh, My neighbor down the street got me into it. My dad was never, he wasn't a big, big golfer. He liked it, but um there was just a little, there was a club right down the street that had a junior membership that was like nothing. And, uh, my parents bought it for me for Christmas one year. And, uh, I would go and like walk nine or as many as I could as often as I could, you know, and most, and a lot of times all by myself, um, which what was the name of the place. It's called Southland. Southland. Okay. We got tons of Atlanta. I don't even know if it's still there. It might still be there, but it was, sketchy then and it's probably even worse now but um but you know that's just some of the best memories i mean you know i would just hang with the and there was a lot of kids like me that would that would come up there and play and walk and just get out and um and that was that was a great time when i went to college i you know a lot of my buddies there were really into it so we started playing a lot more um but uh yeah no i mean i i've always loved it i've just never been that you know that good at it you know i'm trying to get better but uh but you know we're it's i just love i love the game and you know being outside and honestly i i really love the the networking and the community and the people the golfing people you know everyone that you meet on a golf course is always just friendly and into kind of the same stuff you are and it's just i've just always loved that yeah um matthew i want to ask you about your college golf career because we we get a lot of uh former high school, college competitive golfers in our membership, a bunch of them listen to this pod. Uh, if you could go back and tell your college self one, cause you played at George Washington. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're, you're that young man on George Washington's team, you know, out grinding, making, making spots for the travel squad. What, what would you go back and tell that young man? What would you want them to know? Don't even play. <laughs> Um, hang it up. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, my, here's a really good idea for a putty machine. Go build this right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Jesus. Um, 
No, yeah. I mean, like my college golf experience actually was not that great. Um, to be honest, it was like, you know, I grew up playing baseball and like got really into golf when I was like 14, played through high school, got a partial scholarship to GW and then quit after the first semester. And then I walked back on the team senior year once I was through all my classes. Um, I was an engineering degree, computer science. It just wasn't the right thing um, as much as I wanted to. And I also was you know, my dad was a big golfer, but he was also very like honest with me. He wasn't one of those, like he didn't blow steam. So I knew I wasn't going pro. Like we went out and interviewed at Arizona state because we were just there for a trip. So we went out and talked to the college golf coach it was a guy named Mickey Yoki at the time. Never forget that name. And, uh, you know, there's like pictures of Phil Mickelson and like all this crazy stuff. And it's like, the whole range is mapped by ping. They got like this whole, this was way before TrackMan and everything else, right? This is 20 something years, 23 years ago. And, uh, you know, and he's like, oh yeah, well you might be able to redshirt." He's like, you know, we typically go for guys that have like qualified for the U S open. And I was like, okay. And that was like, and that was the moment I was just like, all right, I'll do it. Maybe make, you know, take some, take some of the money off the table for my dad to pay for school and, and I'll enjoy it. But unless you're going pro man, it's a big commitment, uh, D one golf. And so um, I was like, I'm probably gonna go pro in engineering pro as like, that'll be what pays the bills. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, you know, I ended up quitting, but I, you know, first semester freshman year was tough, uh, because it's just so much travel, mandatory study halls, like all this stuff. I was like, I didn't sign up for this. I thought we we're just going to go like hit balls. You know? Uh, so it, it wasn't great, but that, I think that's the hard part is a lot of people get amped up thinking they're good enough to go pro. And it's like, go play with a pro. Go like play with a pro, watch him shoot 59 in a practice round and make everything. And then you'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe I'm not good enough. You know, it's incredible how good those guys are. And I think a lot of people as any sport, um, you know, think they can get there. And, and hey, if you if you have the dream and you have the hard work, but you kind of have to like pick, pick a pick a passion, pick a path. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that, I guess that's what I tell myself just a bit earlier. <laughs> that's great. I, I that's why I always marvel at, you know, there's those guys that just you know it freshman year college or even senior in high school. You're like, okay, that ball sounds different. Yeah, uh, the way they control their wedges looks different. Uh, that guy is gonna be something. And then you got guys like like I played with Keegan Bradley, and I think he, I mean, he shot like 82, and and he just was like kind of oofy, and and I, and I was like. Okay, well, this guy, you know, he, he's going to be selling insurance like me probably someday. But, um, but then he he found it, you know, and he he saw what you're talking about. He saw other people doing that, and he goes, "No, no, no, I can do that. I I, I just got to, you know, dive this in." And then he and then he does, and by the time he's a senior, he's winning every stinking event, and he wins a major. So it's like, uh, it's so few though those guys, you know, those sure. ones, Zach Johnson's, um, uh, Keegan Bradley's. I mean, there's there's only so many of those guys that have done that. But, uh, yeah, it's just, I love asking that question of when that moment is that, you know, man, it's maybe not the pro route. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I play, I, you know, I knew guys growing up that played on Hooters tour and, you know, what was then the, I think it was like a Nike tour before it was the nationwide and then the corn ferry, you know, whatever. Buy.com. Right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and I have buddies in Florida. My, actually, my cousin is still, he's actually the caddy master at Firestone, uh, half the year. Really? Firestone and, Akron, Ohio. No kidding. Yep. What's his And, name? uh, Josh Allard. All right. Yeah. I've seen, I've met Josh. I, I used to work out there when I was in college. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's my cousin. He actually just got us on Cyprus last year. No kid. That's all. Yeah. 
Uh, and then he's, he does half the year at Calusa down in uh, West Florida. Do you know that place? A lot of, a lot of those uh, Firestone guys now, you know, moonlight back and forth. winter in yeah. uh Calusa. Yeah, good for them. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not a bad place. You're in LA. I'm not, I, don't, I don't feel too sorry for you, Matthew. You're yeah, that's LA. true. That's true. That's true. Uh, Dan, when did you know you weren't going pro? Uh, yeah. quickly yeah quickly <laughs> uh, I, I just love that uh the, the all right so uh i got one last thing for you guys i don't want to go too much o- over time it's called the 19th soul uh we do it for everybody on the ep- on the uh podcast this season and what it is it's a uh eight, nine, 18 question questionnaire that we adapted from 35 questions of marcel proust the french novelist one of the most influential authors of the 20th century his questions attempted to reveal the truest nature of an individual. Our questions are attempting to reveal the soul of the golfer. Gentlemen, <laughs> are you ready for the 19th soul? I hope so. Let's go. All right. We'll do alternate shot because we'll, we'll nine questions each. Who, who wants to step up to the first tee? Go ahead, Daniel. You want me to do it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And these All are, right. by the way, you can wax philosophically on every single one of these. These are intended to be short answer, quick response. First <laughs> yeah. thing that comes to your mind. Here we go. Number one, when were you, Daniel, the happiest as a golfer? Oh, man, that's a great question. Supposed to be quick answers here, buddy. <laughs> you know what? I played, um, I played Kapalua with my wife just rode in the cart with me. We were there for our 10-year wedding anniversary. And, uh, and it was just me and her. We'd never done that before, believe it or not. And uh, I played great. And just the, the scene, you know, the, the setting and the course and being with her and in Maui. And it was an unforgettable experience. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Number two, Matthew, what is the scariest shot in golf? Uh, a dog leg right for a righty who draws the ball. Still fighting the right to left, and, and you don't want to see, you don't visualize it going that way. No, not set up for me. Good answer. That's a really good. One. Number three, what Daniel? What is your go-to order at the halfway house? Oh, uh, hot dog, mustard and onions, and a cold beer. Beautiful. That's a, that's a very Chicago order right there. Really? No ketchup. <laughs> Uh, okay Chase. yeah all right uh number four matthew what is the trait you most deplore in your own golf game Oof. trait i most deplore um i'd say long irons long irons always need work i never feel confident over a four iron how many hybrids have crept into the bag though none oh okay so i'm Self-inflicted. <laughs> you have a five wood though. You have a five wood. Though. A five, so, yeah, yeah. Well, not a hybrid. That's a. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, if we want to call a five wood a hybrid, we can. But I just, I think we could debate that. But we're trying to keep it short. <laughs> Semantics. Semantics. Number five, Daniel. What is the quality you most look for in a playing partner? Oh man, um, you don't have to. I've heard someone say this before. I can't remember who it was, but you don't have to be. You just have to, you don't have to play good. You just have to be good to play with. That's all I care about. It has to be fun. If it's not fun, I don't want to play with you. Yeah, play fast. That's mine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In fact, part of fun is fast. Yes. 
Matthew, you may have just answered number six, but what is the trait you most deplore in other golfers? Oh yeah. Slow play, slow play and bad etiquette. I mean, you know, you can fix your ball marks. I fixed 30 ball marks of green. I mean, etiquette, man. I wish they, they should teach a course. It's like, like people, when they turn 90, should get like a driver's test every year. I think like over 25 handicaps should get like an etiquette test every year. You know, I think that would like be a cert, good like a cert, certification. Like you have to have it on your bag or golf cart. Yeah. Like no. once you've taken 10 shots on a hole, pick up and move on. <laughs> That's right. Oh, you're preaching the choir. Yep. Number seven, Daniel, what words or phrases do you most overuse on the golf course? It's a friend. It's a family show. I was about to say, does this have to be clean? Very few children listen in. So you're, you're good to go. I mean, my go-to is you dumbass. That's the, that's the go. Um, we talk so nicely to ourselves, don't we? Yeah. Uh, that's the most, that's the go-to. That's <laughs> Matthew, number eight, what golfing talent would you most want to have? Well, I can't go back to long iron, hitting good long irons because that would be repetitive. I, I would say be, putting better, being a better putter, being able to make more putts for birdie. You know, it's nothing is more defeating than hitting two great shots and then not converting and missing a six footer and then tapping in a par. And then the guy you're playing against thins a wedge and then makes a 20 footer. And it's like same score. So yeah, putting, I mean, putting, dude, putting is everything. Putting is king. I, I yeah. will agree. Number nine, Daniel, what is your most treasured golf possession? Oh, wow. You know what? It's funny you asked that. I just got rid of it, actually. I mean, I still have, but I took it out of treasure. The <laughs> it was a, an old Wilson 56 degree sand wedge that I bought at a Walmart. Um, and it's sure it's a piece of shit, but I love that. I love that club. I, I just feel, always felt so comfortable with it. I just, you know, I kind of upgraded my bag like a, a year, a little over a year ago. And I was like, it's time to put it away. There's so much better out there, but it lasted me probably 15 years. I mean, I love that thing. There's I'm a, I'm a Wilson kid. I grew up, I got a bag of a bunch of old Wilson relics back there. So I, nice. I appreciate that. That's a good one. Um, number, let's see, number 10, back to you, Matthew. What's the one thing in your golf bag you need to throw out? Oh, well, I just also transferred golf bags to a new golf bag and I threw out the rule book that was like so gross and <laughs> wet and old, but now, so to update my answer, I have rain gloves that I've had since I lived in New Hampshire and DC and I live in LA. So it rains like nine days a year here total. And we typically don't play golf uh, when it does. So I could definitely throw those out, but they are still in my bag. Those uh, rain gloves. Cause you don't think they need to be replaced. And, and I'm here to tell you they do. Because yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you think they're like extra durable. No, they're just another. Glove. Oh, no. I think if I took them out, like you can snap them in half. Yeah. But they're still in there. I mean, uh number 11 daniel what who is your favorite employee at the golf course like what's the job that you admire the most i mean oh, come on i mean only one right answer or, or i mean the carp girl or the, what would i like to have <laughs> yeah 
You got to say caddy, dude. The caddies. Oh, well, yeah, the caddies, of course. I mean, but I, you said the most important job. I mean, when I'm out playing, the most important job is that we're making the rounds and keeping me hydrated. Uh, but uh, no, dude, the caddy, I mean, the caddy, of course. The start, like a non crotchety starter, you know, because there's a lot of crotchety ones, but the ones that are actually cool and I mean, the job that is, I mean, that's pretty great. But yeah, the caddies, I mean, the caddies are, uh, it's a pretty good one. Yeah. So you can see these start to reveal some, some things about yeah. themselves and our yeah. fans. That's why he said, like, your, your real answer was cart girl. Let's just put yeah, some- that <laughs> cart girl. Let's make it clear. Yeah. Make sure that's down. Uh, 12. Matthew, have you ever asked another golfer for their autograph? Yes. And it's the greatest story ever. Oh, this is a good one. Let's hear it. Okay. I'm going to make it as quick as possible. I'm 16 playing in this like junior Ryder cup in Scotland, St. Andrew's old course. I'm on the 17th hole, middle of the fairway, one under par. I look over at the jigger in, this is 1999 at the jigger in tiger woods is standing there waiting for, with a plate waiting for barbecue off the grill. Okay. I walk over to the stone wall and I said, tiger, how'd you play today? Right. It's Tuesday. They're flying in Greg Norman's jet to Carnoustie every day. And we're watching the, 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 or sorry, the helicopter, not a jet watching the helicopter go every day, come back. And so we see tiger and it's like, ha huh. I said, how'd you play today? Yeah, pretty good. Da, da, da. We start talking. I said, tiger, would you sign my scorecard? I'm one under right now at St. Andrew's old course. Would you sign this? He said, yeah, no problem. They just get my food. As soon as he says that two hotel employees come out and stand in front of them and say, I'm sorry, sir, we're not allowed you, uh, you're not allowed to talk to the players. And he goes back inside. I then thin a three iron over the green, make bogey and then par 18. But that was the autograph. But I had a hat from the, from the 99 Carnoustie open. I got probably 25 autographs on it, but not tigers. That is a uh, great story. That's, I thought I was going to end with, with somehow he comes back out and, hey, weren't you the kid that asked me about that? Uh, what, what'd, you make, what'd you make on 17? Yeah. But Tiger, if you're listening, you <laughs> owe me a shot and you should just in, buy and endorse Potter. That's what you should do. That's in exchange right. For that, for that mistake. It's the only fair thing to do, Tiger. Come on. Yeah, come on. And by the way. So, got plenty of time to putt these days. Let's go. Appreciate your, your uh, listening to the pod too. That's right. Um, <laughs> Number 14, Daniel, back to you. What? Oh, no, 13. Sorry. Uh, what historical golf figure do you most relate to? Do I most relate to? Oh, man. Um, let's see. <laughs> That's a tough one. I mean, who's, uh, let's see. It is a tough one. You can historical you can, golf figure. Friend, if you want to bring in Matthew, he could. What do you think, Matt? I mean, famous last name. No natural Tiger. ability. Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> Tiger. He's a killer. Who doesn't yeah. want to relate to him? Yeah. I don't know. I relate, I, mean, to, I, relate, I relate to winning that. So, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Guys. Um, yeah, that's, I that's, sorry, man. I don't know how to answer that. A lot of people of our generation, though, would, would do say Tiger just, just because uh well so many reasons but you know you idolize his performance and then we see his rise and his fall and his rise again and it's kind of like yeah he's our protector yeah of course but when you say relate to i have nothing in common (laughs) well no you do no you do and and you know when he won the masters two years ago i was watching it with my one-year-old son 
And when he came off the green and hugged Charlie, I cried like a baby. Yeah, right. Straight up. Same. Yeah. That, that that's related. Like, that's relatable. Yeah, what's that's true. Who's the 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 Disney uh, writer that came up with that? One? I, seriously, the, like the way it all played out, the rain oh. delay that moved him in the morning. Oh. I just, right. uh, I rewatched it. I I can't recommend watch, rewatching that enough. Like, oh, I know. I, I just I, I got flooded back with those same emotions when I watched it for a second time. You know, last year during the November series, but uh, right. Well, Daniel, we'll go back to you with another one. No, we'll keep it rotate. We got to keep it going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The alternate shot. Sorry, Matthew. What is your greatest golf regret? Hmm. Oof. Golf regret. Um, boy, you might, I think you might have stumped me on this one. Daniel, you got one? Um, my biggest golf regret. You know what? I mean, it's, this was before smartphones, so it would have been hard to do it. But that little shitty club that I used to play at, Southland, I, one of those days I was out there walking with my bag. And a guy stopped me and said, Hey, you know, you want to play together? You want to throw on my card and we'll play together. And I played the entire round with him and didn't ask his name until the very end. Um, I mean, just in a couple, we were just talking about golf, you know, it never came up. And he was a lot older than me. I was like, you know, 16, 17. And uh, it turned out it was Marcus Allen, the football, like the old NFL guy. I was like, man, I would love to have had a picture or like an autograph or something like, like, I can't believe I played a round of golf with Marcus Allen at this random golf course, you know, and he couldn't have been a nicer guy. It was great, but, uh, that's, that's wild. But that's I don't wild. have many golf regrets, you know? Yeah. I just got flooded back with my own memory and you'll appreciate this as a nineties Braves fan. I played randomly got paired up at a course called Manikiki in Cleveland with uh, Kenny Lofton. And and I was I was a huge Indians fan, but he had like you know his his foot joy hat on, and he he just didn't look the part of like my you know hero on my wall at home, and and so I like it didn't occur to me. We only played nine holes, and he uh, about seven. I realized okay, one this guy's super athletic. Like, yeah, what professional sport did he say? And I go, holy shit, Kenny. He said, Kenny, Kenny. This is Kenny Lofton, and and this is I I guess I don't have any regrets. I just wanted to interject with. That was cool. <laughs> I've actually played, well, small world. I've played with Kenny a few times. He's a friend of a friend. And I play in the um, the Major League Baseball Players Trust Association tournament every year. So this year, again, it's in Vegas. So I'll see him there. So I'll tell him that story. That's great. That's great. All right. Uh, rounding out 15, what is your favorite? This is back to you, Matthew. What is your favorite golf book or movie? Oh, um, well, well, movie... I mean, it's Happy Gilmore all day. Um, I grew up next to Adam Sandler. He's from New Hampshire. I don't know if you knew that. Another fun fact for, for you. Um, so that's movie. I'd say book has got to be uh, If You Play Golf, You're My Friend, Harvey Pennick. If You Play Golf. Wow. Actually, I mean. All, every Harvey Pennick book is amazing. Yeah. I mean, the stories that he's got, I mean, are insane. And um, yeah, I grew up. I've read that book probably 20 times. That's good. I, I have not read that. I'm adding, adding that. To oh, it's the list. best. That's the best golf book ever. Can I plug one? I know it's not my question, but I want to plug a golf book too. There's a book called Tales from Q School, um, which is incredible. That, that's a recent one? Uh, it probably came out the last 10 years or so. Yeah. But 
Tales from Q School. There you go. Yeah. All right, Daniel. What we got a lot of architecture buffs listening to this this uh, pod, but this one kind of flips it on its head. What is your least favorite hole in all of golf? Sometimes it's a very personal question. Like the actual hole. The actual. Or what hole. type of hole? Where Where is it? Or type of hole? One of the two. Well, um, there's a hole at the club that I'm a member at, St. Ives in Atlanta, that um, it, number 11, it's a, like a downhill par three, but the green is like horizontal and very narrow, and there's a massive lake in front of it, and it's a solid 200-yard shot, and the green goes like this, and there's bunkers behind it, so you can't go long, I, can't be short, you, you can't go right or left and you've got a, you know, a, like you're trying to muscle a six iron down there. I mean, it is impossible. Um, but I was just, I was playing with someone. Uh, Sounds like a Nicholas part three. weeks ago and he aced yeah. it. Like, and he, uh, so. Hey, yours is coming. I, I, I yeah. Yeah. And then That's probably the one. Totally I mean, I just can never make par there. Yeah. All right. This, this next one, Matthew, we have some fun with, and it ends up, on our, uh, our, our season long playlist, uh, that people play for when they like to listen to music on the golf course. Do you first pre-question, do you like to listen to music on the golf course? Uh, yeah, I'll put it on the cart. Now they all speakers and sometimes I'll have a Bluetooth. So yeah, I, I like to listen to music. So if you had one song and only one song to listen to on the golf course for the rest of your life, what is it? It's all right. By Kenny Loggins, Caddyshack intro. Come on. Never had such a quick response and never had that song. Great. Thank you for that. Thank you. No brainer. I can't believe everybody doesn't answer that. <laughs> Good old Kenny Loggins. Was he, was Kenny Loggins a golfer? I wonder. I don't know, but he did the whole soundtrack. You're right. That's why. For Caddyshack. So, yeah. I mean. That's why I wonder. Kenny G's a golfer. Kenny G. Yeah. Oh, Good yeah. player. Yeah. All right. 18, our last question. I'll have both you guys uh, noodle on this and give a response but if you had a motto maybe maybe you do but if you had a motto what would it be oh i got that one too uh it's just don't suck and that was my my buddy growing up played for the tufts golf team which is not a good golf team um, <laughs> he was he was like a 10 and he played on the golf team and their, their motto as a team was just don't suck. And I thought that was the greatest golf motto ever. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Daniel, second, do you have anything? You know, uh, no, I, I, I don't have a golf motto. I mean, I have life mottos, but I mean, the thing that my dad taught me that I try to teach my kids is uh, he would always tell me, the right thing and the hard thing are always the same. So anytime you're thinking about taking the easy way out or doing it halfway, it's not the right, you know, it's not the right thing. And so that's always stuck with me because that you come across those decisions a lot, you know, very hard to panic. That is, but just don't suck is a lot easier to remember. Just don't suck is way better. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just don't suck. suck. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us on the backdrop. Uh, tell us where, for those that are interested in the product uh, and putter, where can they check it out? What's what's the uh, what's the next thing that's coming for them? Yeah, go to putter.co, p-u-t-t-r.co. 
Um, and uh, we're taking pre-orders right now. We're looking to ship in Q2 of next year. Um, so we're, you know, pushing hard on our supply chain, <laughs> which has been in shambles. So we're, um, we're a little under the radar, hopefully. So uh, yeah, go there and uh, you can either sign up for our newsletter there uh, or uh, like I said, pre-order and there's a bunch of information. And feel free to reach out with any questions or ideas um, that you have. We're, we're building as we go here. So we love to hear from people. And if we're going to, if anyone's going to be at the PGA show, um, coming up in January, we're going to be there. So reach out to us. We'd love to meet up and show you putter and give you a demo. In fact, if you tell us we're going to be set up at the Hyatt Regency across the street from the convention center. And if you come in there and tell us, uh, that you listen to this podcast, we will buy you a drink. There go. go get them. I know, I know at least 10 of our members that are going to be there. So that, that's awesome. Let's see, see if they're listening and see if they convert. Gentlemen, thank you for the time. This has been very fascinating for me and it was really a pleasure uh, getting to know you a little bit. I will see you in Orlando as well. Cause I'll be down at the show, but thanks. Thanks for, uh, for doing this. This was fun. Awesome. Thank you. Man. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you are not a subscriber, please do subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we're at New Club Golf. This episode was produced by Mark Caldwell with research assistance by Jim Sitar. The Bag Drop is supported by members of New Club Golf Society and our official partners. <laughs>